Hello, everyone. This is Jeff from Irenacast. And before we get into this week's show, I just wanted to take this opportunity at the top of the episode to, first of all, wish everyone well. We know that these are unprecedented times and that our daily lives have been thrown into varying amounts of uncertainty. And even though there's a lot of uncertainty in all of our lives, we do want to let you know that we are still going to continue as usual. Not as usual in the sense that we're going to ignore everything that's happening in the world, but we're going to keep to our regular episode posting schedule, and we're going to keep the same basic format of the show so that there's some sense of, I don't know, comfort, familiarity in the midst of all this that's happening. But we do also understand that many of your lives are in different places. Maybe you were listening on your commute to work or you were listening at the gym, and we know that podcast listening in general is on the decline. So in the midst of that, we also wanted to provide extra opportunities to let you know that we're here, that we're hoping to connect, and that we value everything you bring to the show by listening to us on a, on a biweekly basis. So one of the ways that we're going to primarily do that is through our Facebook page. We want to utilize it a little bit better in the coming weeks. One thing in particular, Casey is going to be on every Thursdays. He's calling it Thoughtful Thursday, and he's just going to be sharing his thoughts on the week. And then also starting on Sunday, which I guess will be Easter Sunday now that I think about it, I'm going to be on Facebook Live as well uh, from 10 a.m. to whenever. So feel free to stop by, connect. We'll we'll hang out for a little bit and see how that goes and, and let it evolve. We're still experimenting with the whole process, and I've been spending this week testing some things. So real excited to connect with many of you during the week. But we also understand that many of you are not utilizing Facebook that often. Facebook can be a bit of a toxic place during this time as well. Uh, so we're hoping to be a refuge in that. But if you are not on Facebook, please email us at podcast at irenicast.com and let us know other platforms you'd like to see us on. And then also, if you want to email us, and I mentioned this at the end of our conversation in this coming episode, but if you email us at podcast at irenicast.com, write into us. Let us know what your life looks like now. You can either just write it to us or you can take a voice memo on your phone, send us the audio file. We'd really like to start incorporating more voices into the show. So yeah, all that to, all that to say, uh, we love what we do. We so appreciate you and the feedback that you give us on a regular basis. And of course, your listenership. So that's it for me. As usual, you can check the show notes for all the information that's mentioned here at irenicast.com slash 164. And without any further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenicast. I'm Jeff. It's your boy, Alan. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And this is Rajiv. On the first and third Tuesday of every single month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, this week, what the hell is happening? Um, we're, we're here. We're still putting out episodes. In fact, we had a, another episode scheduled for today, but we figured it might not be the best thing to, to approach this time around, so we're gonna um, we're not gonna do anything different. I feel like we're gonna keep our same format. Our, uh, you know, for those of you that are familiar with the show, for those of you that are joining us because you discovered us on whatever podcast rabbit hole you found yourself in with your extra free time, and uh, we are gonna we're gonna talk about isolation. But we're not just gonna talk about isolation in the sense that here we are, we're lonely and all that kind of stuff. But we're gonna talk about it. You know, some of the more expanded versions of that. And for that conversation, Rajiv is gonna lead us in that. And then for our segment, we're gonna be doing a new segment called Playlist. I'm looking forward to this one. It'll it'll be a lot of fun. So 
let's let's talk isolation. Rajiv, kind of guide us into to, to where you want to take us today. Oh man, it's a. Uh, I I can't remember feeling this disoriented in company with so many. Well, everybody else who feels disoriented too, and it, it's like all of our disorientation is different. So, and a, and a big part of what's shaking things up is this physical isolation that we're, we've been called to do as a way to flatten the curve, stay safe, keep other people safe, uh, et cetera. And um, it's kind of messing with us. So I, I was thinking about isolation, both as it relates to its impacts on us in the here and now in the midst of this pandemic and isolation as it connects to theological evolution theological unraveling and evolution. Um, so for the first half of our conversation, want to ask you all questions about the here and now and the pandemic. And then the second half of the conversation, move into the, the theological realms of as it relates to isolation. So just like, where, where are you just in in your gut right now, how are you feeling? I always go first, so I'm gonna sit out for a second. But yet you did go first. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <-uh. laughs> All right. Well, I always go last, so let's let's buck the trend and uh, yeah. So we're in the bottom of the rabbit hole. Shake it up. It's true. Baby. Um. So so I uh was at my home. I'm working remotely. If you know me, if you've been out with me in the world, I'm not a I'm not a chatty person when I go to the grocery store or, you know, to get my coffee or whatever. I'm not, you know, hey, how's your day? Da, da, da. I just get my stuff and go because I have other things to do. Uh, but I've been in the house for a week and I had to, hey, we need some groceries. We were down to half a roll of toilet paper. Thank you, all of you hoarders. I don't mean that sincerely. And I was... Hey, how's it going? You know, I was just super chatty in line and, and to the to the to the uh, the cashier, and you know, had to go by the local coffee shop and pick up some coffee, and was super chatty there. And it was very, it was a very strange, I don't know, it was a very strange mode to be in for me. And I think that that was more emblematic of kind of where I'm at right now, where everything is the same but in different places. Another thing that's always important to me is space. So when I'm doing my work that I usually do in my office at the office, and now I'm here doing my work in the same place that I do this work where we record and do podcasts and all that kind of stuff, it messes with my sense of, of order of the way the world is. And uh, my, my spouse works in an ER. So there's this cloud of worry that's over us a little bit all the time right now. You're, I'm with the same four people every day, which I love, you know, myself and my daughters and, and my wife, but it's weird to feel cooped up and helpless and lonely at the same time you're having a shared experience with the entire world. Like this, this weird juxtaposition of those two things that we all have probably the most in common that we've ever had in the, in human history, but we're alone to share it it's it's very it's very strange and i don't even think i've had time to really sit down and, and think about it probably until as we're gonna 
unfold it now. But, you know, the, the isolation is weird because it's unlike any other. I usually like isolation. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost ODing on my own stash, you know, like <laughs> I'm used to my isolation in, in bits and pieces. But now it's like, OK, this is this is a bit much. Um, I guess too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Maybe. I don't know. There's my thoughts without fully thinking them through. Yeah, Jeff, as you were talking, it made me think about um, the difference between isolation and solitude. Because I, I tend to be drawn to, to solitude and, you know, having space away from people for a while to reflect. But it's isolation from everybody else in the world who is having the shared experience with you, but you can't really get together to talk about it except for on Zoom or, I mean, there's ways you can, but it's not the same as being physically in the same space. But there's no solitude whatsoever because you're in a building with all of these other people that are, that have their needs. And, you know, we have some teenagers, my nieces who are staying with us right now and um, our young adult son. And it just, you know, there's people in the house all the time. <laughs> so, Oh my God, Bonnie, hundred percent. Like that is a very good distinction because I feel like despite the fact that I'm stuck in the house, I haven't had any alone time at all. And my commute is gone. Like all, oh man, hundred percent. Amen. Can we say amen on the show? Can I, I just, amen. Uh, <laughs> well, Jeff saying an amen lets us know how difficult these times are. Right. I'm using church language here, people. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I know it's almost like I like our on the chore chart is going to be find a space that's just yours and nobody else can like invade that. So everybody has their own little space they can go to. And then we all know when you go there, we leave you alone. It almost feels like we're at that point where we need to do that. No one else in my house functions that way. So that would be like, <laughs> it'd be like, here's, here's your closet, daddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am not someone who is drawn to solitude. And so this is definitely an experience for me. I am someone who who I'm sort of a fixer. That's just by nature who I am. And to know that I there's not much I can do to to bring comfort to the people that I care for and I love, other than call them and tell them to keep their asses home, you know? You know, I mean, there are certainly ways that we're trying to be helpful and providing meals for people, but can't fix this. And there's no way around it except to go through it, right? I am not someone who likes to just go through things without kicking and screaming. And so there is a sense of surrender that is that is um, coming into me that I've never experienced before, where it's just like, well, we just got to buckle, buckle in and just go through it. I I certainly have been enjoying listening to vinyl records and making meals with Jose and drinking lots of good wine. That's sort of how I'm. I, in fact, I went to my local wine place that I buy wine and I bought a 12 pack. You know, that means like it's a box with 12 <laughs> bottles of wine. And the lady said, well, this is quite a bit of wine. And I said, well, that's what you do at the end of the world. You know, enjoy. Uh, so that's kind of been fun trying new wines and stuff like that. But yeah, I um, I think that for me, there's also some, some grief in terms of like hearing people wonder who they are when they are not doing. And I think that that's something that uh, living in a, in a society that is built on 
um, what you do is who you are and how dangerous that becomes. That we begin to think that whatever we produce or whatever we do is who we are. And when we have all this space to just sit back and be, we don't know how to do it because we don't know who we are when we're not doing something. And so I, I think that this has given me time to pause uh, and to wonder about who I am when I'm not doing, or at least I'm attempting to do that as I mow my lawn and garden. And But it's hard, for sure. It's hard to, my, you know, my parents just got a puppy, a yellow lab puppy, and all I want to do is go down there and introduce Cole to her. Can't do it, you know? Look, what comes to mind as you say that, Casey, like, I it's it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like we get so much purpose out of the things we do and it's such a human thing to center our identity on, on activity. And like hearing you talk about all these activities that are very humanizing, buying wine and listening with Jose to music, like that brings tons of meaning. And maybe it's, maybe it's just a pigeonholing of what it means to be human, you know, to our jobs or creating wealth or something like that. When, waking up and breathing is, is an activity and just existing itself. I don't know. Cause I, I, I mean, I, I feel guilty and I think maybe people who are listening might feel that too. It's not wrong to center your identity on what you do. Maybe it's just the most, one of the most human things that we do, but it's also a real danger. Like you're saying, especially in times of, of crisis like this. Anyway, that's just coming to my mind while I was hearing you talk. Yeah, I think that that's the point, right? <laughs> like, um, sure, it's it's not bad for us to make meaning of who we are uh, in the work we do that is beneficial. And But I think the, the concern comes when that's all we think we are. And who are we when we are left in a space when the thing that defines us is not available to us? Like, when we have no access to get away from, you know, I mean... Even like uh, they're being in close relationship with people, right? Like now that you're home all the time, are you turning towards your partner and your family, uh, or are you turning away from them? You know, are, do you feel uncomfortable in this environment um, that is meant to be home? I think that that we we are so distracted by what we do, we are completely distracted by what we do. Um, because we believe that that's what defines us. I mean, that, this is definitely an over, uh, what do you call it? Like an overgeneralization, I'm sure. You know, but I see all of your heads nodding. I mean, I think that this is, and Rajiv is one who definitely, we've talked about this a lot in terms of capitalism, how capitalism impacts us. And I think a part of capitalism um, we are experiencing right now, which is what do we do and who are we? Uh, when we are when we are not producing, when we are not worker bees, that's all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the previous episode with Mona, she she said she had encountered a priest, I think, one time, who didn't ask people what they did for their job or whatever. He would ask them, "How do you spend your days?" And like just expanding the definition of what it means to do and be instead of pigeonholing it. That's interesting, and I think a lot of people would resonate with that. Well, and I think the the distinction may be like, you know, Bonnie drew a distinction between isolation and solitude. And and most of us need some solitude to regenerate and, you know, have some internal space. But there's 
there's being a contributor, which sounds to me, Alan, like what you're talking about. I'm contributing something to the well-being of self and well-being of others. And then what Casey's maybe is talking about is the cog thing. Like, I'm a more valuable cog than you because I well said. X, Y, Z. And two very different things. Both have some output, um, but there's there, there is very different, uh, I think, relationship in the way we're seen and judged. So I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here so you can go last this time, Alan, about your feelings with isolation. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, like what you were talking about, Jeff, I, I am coming to terms in really interesting ways with the fact that, uh, I think I'm more introverted now than I used to be. And so much of my identity growing up in early adulthood, certainly in adolescence and early adulthood, was as an extrovert. Could talk to anybody, meet anybody, and, and you know, sort of uh, brought a lot of energy to, to social gatherings. And now I'm just like, I just wish people would leave me the f alone. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Um, and just some alone time. And and balancing that, there's there's various things. So being in a house with four people who I love so much has a point where you're like, you know what? I'm sick of y'all right now. <laughs> I just want you to go away. But there's nowhere for anyone to go. And and so there's there's that piece. And then having in my case, sort of this paid work. Uh, thing is just been suspended. So like, I don't even have that to go to right now. It's just kind of in limbo. And, and sometimes work can be a respite from, from the other parts of, of life and vice versa. You know, your personal life can be a respite from your work life. Yeah. Just all, all the normal kind of things like Jeff, you're talking about your commute. Yeah. Those moments where you're just going from point A to point B. It's just you, you get to decide what you're listening to or not listen to. <laughs> uh, you can decide to take the long way <laughs> if, if you need to, to give yourself 10 extra minutes. All, all of that being turned upside down. And I think the challenge for me is, is okay, I, I say there are things that matter most. And now's, now's a time to really engage with like, okay. Do I do I really believe that or is that are those just the right things to say? And and I've enjoyed having some time and fortunately for me so far it's proving yeah these these things actually do matter. I don't know exactly how to do them, but they are the things that actually matter most. Yeah, the normal rhythm being ripped away so quickly has had an interesting impact. This month will be the four-year anniversary of me living by myself. Uh, the first part of my life, I I never lived even one month by myself. Always had roommates, brothers, family. I was married for 10 years. And then moving into a phase of my life where I was seriously alone for four years was like a deep schooling, I think, for this moment for me. And there was a lot of wisdom that I've gained over the years, uh, it, practical wisdom in that. Jeff, you talked about uh, space. Like, 
I remember a time when maybe at like year two or whatever of living alone, I felt extremely isolated. I had put up like a blanket over the window in my bedroom. So that like no sunlight would come in. And I was listening to really like sad music and just kind of in a protective shell, probably for the first six months, at least it closed all the windows. Everything was very, and I needed that. I needed, I needed time to kind of go dormant. Um, but just yesterday, I took my desk out of the guest bedroom and moved into the living room in front of these huge windows so that when I'm on the computer right now, I can look out and see the trees and all the different flowers and, and, and feel connected in my hardest, in my hardest times of isolation. I also had that, that kind of dual thing where I was living next to a church and constantly in contact with people. 24 seven, but also isolated and alone. And that kind of pain was probably, uh, it's exhausting. And one of the reasons I discovered for that is like, we're, we're herd people, right? We're like herd, herd creatures. We, we, we can't live on our own. We have really long adolescence as humans. We require help from parents. We require help from our tribe. And so we're like biologically hardwired to be connected, to receive and to give. And when we're deprived of that, at least, I don't know, there's just, there's so much hardwiring for connection that if we're not careful, we can be overtapped. I, I think we're biologically hardwired to connect and need that. And when we are isolated, some listeners might be completely alone. There's lots of studies that have been done that our brains sort of wither without connection, whether it's physical touch or just stimulation. And that's why things like solitary confinement are so brutal or um, why things like isolation for people who are older in our congregations are so brutal. When there's, there's not the mental stimulation, the brain starts to like have like a harsh winter instead of a summer or a spring with lots of things going on. It goes into a wintering kind of mode. And I felt that in myself. It doesn't take long in isolation to get to a point where, where you feel the impacts of that. And so I, I guess all I'm feeling right now is a lot of empathy. Like in, in my journey over those four years, I got to a point where even really just this last year, I've had increasingly, larger like revelations is the word I would use in my mind about how unalone we really are and how, how untrue isolation really is. And I, I won't go into all of those. I think I've probably done that on other episodes, but being connected to our family, to our ancestors, to like this planet, the fact that a micro, you know, that a microorganism could travel the world in less than a month, that my gut biome is connected to someone in a continent, in a place that I'll never know is like, that's incredible. I mean, that, that that's unbelievable how connected we really are. And uh, reminding ourselves of that, even meditating on it, whether you're religious or not, just thinking about how connected the world is, it, I think is healthy for our brains. For mine, I think, um, yeah, I think Alan, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, there's there's isolation, and then there's like what we're experiencing right now, which is isolation with like fear, like intense fear and uncertainty about the future. And I think so many, you know, we live in the immediate fears of, 
Is somebody that we love going to catch this virus? And what does that mean? You know, those of us who are um, pastors, most of our congregations tend to be in those at-risk categories of folks who are older, may also have some other thing that might compromise our health or the immune system. Um, and this virus is, is a real threat to life. And then there's also the anxiety and fear around lost income, bills that are due, and people aren't being able to pay them. And, you know, things are moving along that seemed like they were going along pretty well. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, here comes this threat to livelihood or perhaps even loss of livelihood. Plans that were laid out in front of us are now having to be completely adjusted and Many of us probably don't know exactly what that's all going to look like, how it's all going to shake out. And in times like that, spiritually, we need to be together. So it's like it's isolation from being able to process our fear and our anxiety. And even though, yes, we can do it over the phone, we can do it through Zoom or whatever, it just feels so different than being able to actually get together with a friend or a group of friends and and talk about the fear part of what this is all like. Anxiety is a physical thing. That's what comes to mind. Being physically present is a way to process that. And there, there are people in my congregation who can't see. There are a lot of people probably in all of our congregations who can't see their, their loved ones who are in the hospital right now. Can't even visit and be with them physically. And people who are dying, you know, who have died, they can't get together and have a funeral or a memorial. Women who are pregnant, you know, they are facing the the possibility of having to birth alone rather than having a, a, a loved one with them. I mean, there's like a lot that's going on right now. It's just, to, I guess I'm doing all of this just to sort of name some of the realities of what people may be experiencing. I know I'm experiencing and I think it's very different than your traditional isolation. I, I think it's important to acknowledge uh, the fact that all five of us have sort of these lockdown environments that are safe, that are relatively comfortable. And there are folks who have lockdown environments that are dangerous to their physical safety, their emotional and mental safety. You know, that that to me is just I, I don't I, it, it's it's I can't think about that too much because it's an, an overwhelming sense of sadness and fear on behalf of of some people that I know um, and, and millions that I don't. So that that's just horrifying uh, as well. If anything comes out of this, hopefully it's it's a, a support for our public systems like schools, public schooling, public places where people are safe, public libraries things where people have normalcy in their day that's not in those unsafe environments. Well, and like if we can't learn that healthcare, universal healthcare is good for all of us from this, it's just like, well, fuck us then. You know, we, we, sh- we, we should just for real, for real. fucking die. Let the goddamn roaches take over. I, I honestly, Rajiv, I, uh, so I seriously have been thinking about this for the last few days. Like, the things that they tell us, by they I mean the government, tell us are impossible. Like universal health care, a, a living wage for all, 
like a universal basic income. I mean, these are things that overnight were passed. Overnight. Like, if we could rally together, they say that we cannot get anything done around global warming. I mean, there there are things that we cannot get done around uh, sexism, racism. I mean, overnight, we stopped not just our our nation, but we, like, the world has stopped and slowed down. We have the capacity to do whatever the heck we want to. We right, do. and it also underscores the fact that we humans are the problem. You know, yeah. chi- China's yeah. air is getting cleaner. Uh, I was looking at little short videos of the canals in Venice. Dolphins are swimming around. Like, what? Um, you know, there's coyotes roaming the streets of San Francisco right now, just chilling out in the broad daylight. Like, this is, yeah, we're the problem. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Mother Earth is just like, fuck y'all. No, no, no. We're not the problem. The the richest people who are hoarding wealth in our in our world are the problem. Not poor people, not the people who are working, not the people because it's it's not the same across the board. Regular people and their impact on the environment is far less than the people who are who are hoarding wealth. And so in the middle of all of this, it's like it's so easy to forget that like there is a real there's a real difference on the playing field. There are bad actors. Even in this bailout, there are people that are going to be massively rich because of of what they're doing. And it's it's tough for me to hear that human beings are, you know, I know that I know what you're saying and it's true, but it's also like more complicated than that. And uh like I don't know. We've we've outsourced our environmental pollution to uh less wealthy places. Like there was memorandums sent from our government to say we need to pollute Africa because Africa is an underpolluted, literally an underpolluted continent. And so we needed to figure out a way that, to, to be able to do that. I think justice, justice will mean justice for our whole planet. Things like Casey was saying, universal basic income or health care or, you know, li- the raising the, the living wage. That that kind of thing, it's going to have reverberations for all of life on our planet. To me, that's where a lot of the the injustice lies. Well, b- before we you know start a new episode here, um, <laughs> le- <laughs> I want to go back to something Bonnie said when we were talking about isolation and that idea of uh, <laughs> um, th- that idea that you were saying where you know people's reality of what isolation is very different from us, and I think that that's the fundamental problem with where we came from as fundamentalists and where we are now as people who are in some semblance of public work is that how do you communicate these universal experiences or universal feelings that are attached to like infinite experiences and cover all of your bases and still maintain diversity and still not close yourself off in your own group. So it's this weird paradox of, of commonality and things that are separate. And I think that that, I think that that's the struggle that we have. And I think that, that struggle is reflected in uh, uh, political correctness and the language that we choose to use as how do we include everyone. But then also it, it's, I think that's kind of the, 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 the place where we stand when we're talking about all of this idea of isolation and frustration is that it, it, already just the five of us sharing about where we are is very, different and you know how do we how do you venn diagram the whole world (laughs) in one conversation and i think that that's part of 
maybe the things that we need to learn to let go of is is and maybe this is maybe this is a ministry thing because we're all, all have ministry if it's not then please you know let us know but where you feel like everything that you do has to lead to an ultimate solution it, you know we, there's this there's this weight to like every decision that you make that it's going to be a slippery slope to this or that and how 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 do we balance all that? And then, then that makes you even like feel more isolated and more lonely because you feel like you're the only one carrying that burden. You're the only one doing that, what needs to be done. And then on top of that, for those of our listeners who are, I'm, I'm building a very big mountain here, but hopefully we'll tear it down at the end. But, you know, in the midst of that, then you're talking about, uh, how, you know, many of our listeners who have deconstructed and the loneliness that goes to that. And there's so many layers to it. So I think that, it's helpful that we can share our conversation and our experience because I think people are going to connect with something that each one of us have said. Um, but then it's like where then we, we kind of settle into a place of, you know, being specific and being intentional about saying this is our experience. And hopefully you can find that commonality and not definitively making any statements about what God says or what the Bible says or what the church says or what the right thing to do is or anything like that. And just, sit in that. I don't know where that's leading, but that's just what I was thinking when Bonnie was talking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just a lot, right. And it's just a lot. Even I, I think I, I sense even my thought patterns are disrupted. You know, usually I can rely on even, even the bad thought patterns, right. They're, they're like familiar and friendly and some oddly reassuring. Right. <laughs> and now even those things, the good patterns, the bad patterns, they're, they're all just askew. Like, Damn, I can't is, even be depressed, right? Like, what the what? hell? <laughs> What's happening? And, and uh, you know, Jeff, as you pointed out, I'll, I'll uh, suggest uh, humans as an invasive species as another episode. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll go there awesome. later. Um, so I, I do want to begin a transition here to talking more on the theological front and and isolation as it relates to theological evolution and and as a really bad segue what what I want to ask is if we were all still at our our fundy places would we be one of those leaders or people that are like we're a resurrection people god is jesus has conquered death we have nothing to fear let's meet anyway I think, you know, something that you said, Rajiv, um, and also that I think we've all sort of shared um, is like you can deconstruct, there's some things that we deconstruct in our transition and maybe other things that we don't deconstruct. And times like this is when the things that haven't yet been deconstructed become pretty apparent. And I think part of that has to do with like, how important are we actually Jeff said something about, you know, every decision having such weight to it. And I, I do think we carry that. I think we carry that as, I, I mean, I should speak for myself. I carry that as a religious leader, especially, but I think I do even as a human. And I wonder, you know, it's, we, we tend to like to really lift up the value of the humans, the existence of humans on the planet. And uh, maybe... And that comes, I think, probably from our fundamentalist evangelical backgrounds. Um, 
where, you know, Jesus died, would have died to save any one of us if there were just one of us that needed saving. Not if you're over 50 and a drain on the economy, then Jesus didn't die for that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a gift and a it's, curse, right? It's about the afterlife. I mean, I think that it's really important that we don't uh, forget that, that it's really very little about the flesh and, and blood life. It's about the afterlife, and Jesus died for that. But yeah, I mean, how how important are we, you know, in, in, the, in the big scheme of everything and in, in the ways that we're interconnected with the entire planet? Do you think it's a, it's a, a, a mentality or a... a, a- an intellectual break that needs to be made between the phrase, how important are we and how important are you? Because I think that it's easy when we talk about we, like the collective of humanity, it, it gets a little easier to say, well, let this portion die off for the sake of humanity, for the greater good, you know? And then, but then holding space for holding equal space for humanity as a whole and individuals. I feel like that's like the, the crux of so many ethical dilemmas, right? Like, uh, you know, how many of us were presented with the, um, the Jesus analogy of the, the child strapped to the railroad tracks and (laughs) the train coming towards the child. And that's what Jesus did. It killed or God killed the son to, and it, or, or even just, is it the classic trolley trolley example? Like what, like, that I wonder is kind of at the heart of that is that holding those two intention needs to be there where if any one of us are, can easily sacrifice an individual or any one of us can easily sacrifice an entire group, like there lies the problem. (laughs) And, and instead of what's the right answer, 99% of that is a failure of imagination. Like there, there's, it's like this false dichotomy. You're going to run over these 80 people. You're going to run over these three people. And it's like, let's run over nobody. Let's actually question the assumptions behind why this choice is presented before us, why there's not enough ventilators in this hospital or why people don't have access to healthcare. I mean, and then even war is like that too. It feels like a failure of imagination, at least to me. Well, and yeah, using that analogy in the current context, we have an opportunity where, well, the individual and the people on the trolley can both live. We're, we're just going to stop the trolley way up track and refund people their money for their tickets. So the trolley company loses a few bucks, but everybody lives. It, it's, it's like, you know, it, it's not even the same thing. Before we pivot away from what Bonnie said, I think you're really onto something. It's not just a ministry leader thing. It's also sort of like a fundamentalistic way of looking at the world. Like every relationship is about whether or not I'm going to get my friend into heaven or whether they're going to, they're going to go to hell. Like everything is so intense all the time. And kind of like Jeff was saying, there always has to be this answer that explains everything and that applies to everyone everywhere equally. That kind of pressure is not good for any of us. And I think it relates to what Casey was saying earlier, which is like, we are what we do, what we contribute, what we produce. And and yeah, I mean, we can we can name that as kind of a capitalistic ideology, but it's also a fundamentalist evangelical ideology. Um, and sometimes it's hard to parse out the difference, you know, like how it's how it has been ingrained in each of us. Um, so our value is often associated with our individual contribution and and everyone else's individual contribution that we can 
you know, partner with or recognize. And that's probably why I love process theology so much, because it it turns it a little bit on its head where the value is more about the connection itself. It's the space between. And if something happened to me, then we would lose the space between me and everything else that I'm connected to. So my value is because I'm plugged into networks and to webs of connection, not in me in and of myself. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think it like completely twists everything we've been brought up to think. Right. And that's what, and that's what I was saying earlier about um, turning towards people, right? Like in these moments, like that's, that's what's most important is how we turn towards each other. Uh, Because I would argue, and that's what I was trying to say earlier is I feel like we have spent so much of our time turned away from each other and running towards God knows what money, power, uh, identity found in things other than relationship. What we are experiencing, I believe is something it's like the thing under the thing, right? Like, sure. We, we, uh, we are all stuck at home. Sure. You know, economically, this is really atrocious, Uh, but there's some stuff underlying all of this that if we spend any amount of time thinking about, we're forced to deal with, which is our lack of connection, our lack of being in relationship, our inability to see ourselves as human beings, not humans doing, you know, like it's like the thing under the thing. Right. Yeah. It's our lack of acknowledgement of the connection itself. And I think that that's, that's really interesting. So, so for, for all that, you would say that your, um, your your answer to the problem of the individual and the collective is not concentrating on either, but concentrating on the connection because neither can survive without the other. And I think that that's pretty pretty nice, right? It's it's that uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but it reminds me of the whole faith and works debate that I used to have back in the day, right? Like, is it faith or is it works? Well, they're both oh, no. the same. <laughs> you know, that's a big flashbacks to everyone. But I mean, right. I think that that's a, that's a that's a good place to rest in is to concentrate on those connections, whether it's our, our gut biome Al, or uh, I just love that you said that in the what? beginning of this episode <laughs> or, you know, our, our just shared experience in this moment that concentrating on those things of connection is, uh, is key and acknowledging them. Cause it's not like, you know, it's, it's not something that we believe in or don't believe in. They exist. It's, it's there. And then how do we acknowledge it and, and highlight it? And we, it's on all of us to do that work. Like if the society is going to change, each of us individually have to actually honor those connections. Well, and I think part part of the work uh, is is to really be clear minded about what you've done and what you still need to do. Like Bonnie brought up deconstruction and sort of not really. I, I think the vast majority of people I know and, you know, we know lots of people who talk about deconstruction. The vast majority of them have redecorated. They haven't deconstructed. They, they've just moved some furniture. They threw up some fresh paint. They invite more people in, but they haven't deconstructed. They've just redecorated. Ooh, that's some that's some shade right there. Like, <laughs> no, it, it and it's 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 not a negative thing. It's just right. I mean that's that's growth too. Um, but part of what's important is recognizing what have I done really. 
what do I yet need to do, really, and what's not important, what gets to fall by the wayside. And, you know, self-delusion is one of our greatest enemies. Our greatest friends. It's like a warm blanket. <laughs> it's like a warm blanket. <laughs> would, would anyone have kept their Easter plans or kept going to church? In your former life, I, I didn't hear everyone's answer. I was just curious. It, it, we all avoided it. <laughs> I, I would have. I would have. Yeah, I yeah. totally would have too. I, I grew up. I mean, that Pentecostal side of me would have been like, "Look, God will protect us. It'll be safe and fine, and we will celebrate the day." And especially because in those days, I was a Republican, right? So I would still be listening. I would be under the eye of of the great orange man. <laughs> under the, the eye. eye. <laughs> You know, I I don't even know how I would answer that question. I think I've lost touch with who I was so much that I don't I don't know what I would have done. I'd like to think that like science was such a big part of my life that I would have not held services, but I honestly don't know. I I th- I think in you know my former context, I think, and I and I think this might be true um, of people is that we would have turned to prophecy, and that there would have been a lot of of trying to figure out what this pandemic meant in the big timeline of God's plan on this earth. And, oh, right. my God. Um, which, which bowl is being poured out? Which trumpet is blaring? Right. That's what we need I to forgot. figure out right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I don't, I don't know if, we, if Easter wow. services would have happened. I think there would have been a lot of Bible study on, uh, you know, what, what this means. Like, like, is this the abomination of desolation where everybody meets in their houses and the churches no longer matter and we're just going to be Bible Christians? Man, you're taking me back. Okay, I think I would have been and, with and you And where on that. you start pulling out the stashes of things that have been hoarded, you know, because <laughs> we might need them now that we need to develop our little communes and stay safe from the world. Um, so, yeah, I think that would have probably... In my community, that would have been what I would have been a part of. Right. Can I, can I, sorry, Rajiv, can I just elevate something that I think is important as we're talking about this, how triggering this might be for some of us in terms of where we're coming from? Like, I know for me, like, um, you know, my grandpa called yesterday and was like, you know, some people are saying this might be the end of times. And I had to be like, they've been saying that forever, grandpa. But there is this weird triggering uh, response in my gut. If I if I'm being honest, right? All of those voices, me too, start popping up. All of the all of the shit that they told us about the end of times and Jesus coming and 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 a part of that is a, is related to being in uh, a controlled environment. It's a part of growing up as a child of abuse, like. Like we all have these voices that are not our own, that were embedded in us as young people. And so when things like this start to happen, all of those voices begin to elevate. And so what I find myself doing is saying, I need a trusted uh, a trusted source because otherwise I can get really consumed by all the, the, it's not even fake news. You know, I mean, some of it is fake news, right? I mean, when you have the president saying, we're going to be back by Easter. There's that fake news element. But also it's the, the the sources in my head from my past that begin to arise. And I have to find that clear, steady source that is not either of those things. 
You know, it's like, who's the adult in the room? Look for the adult in the room. Look for the safe person who can tell you the truth, right? Um, I just wanted to elevate that because I maybe I'm the only one, but I don't imagine that I am. I'm with you, and I think that probably triggers different parts of all of us. For me, it triggers that part that's like, there has to be a meaning behind this. That's what Bonnie is saying, and like, you know, Casey, that's what you're sharing, is that what is God doing with all of this? Is this the end of times? Like, does God have a purpose for this virus? Like, is this... And it's one thing to hear, I think, in what Rajiv was saying, my mind was just thinking while he was talking um, about, like, there are things that need to be shook up, you know? Like, it, it, at least we're already suffering. We might as well get something good for it. That's what they say in the gym all the time. You're already suffering. You might as well get something good for it. So I, I love that perspective. Hopefully this virus shakes up the things and untangles the things that need to be untangled. But it is, it is, it feels psychologically unhealthy to be like, what is God teaching us with this virus? And where are we headed? And, and why is God bringing this virus to us? And, and what is it doing in the grand scheme of things? Doesn't that feel like, I, I, maybe that's just too strong to say psychologically unhealthy, but it feels like super triggering for me. I think psychologically put- unhealthy is not the whole question, but just the first part. Why did God? Dot, yeah. Dot, why dot. did God? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think those are two separate things. Like, yeah, things need to be shook up. That's great. Let's get meaning out of our suffering. That's one thing, but it's a totally different thing. And, and tapping into my fundamentalism, I think to try to see where God's fingerprints are in this plan. In the in the year of our Lord, 1999, I worked in a Bible bookstore, and it was on the cusp of the millennium. And I don't know how many of you remember, but there was this this little scare that we had called Y2K. Y2K. And I was working in a Bible bookstore, and there was like literally a whole shelf of books. I don't know how they got the books out so quickly, but a whole shelf of books on how Y2K was going to lead to this portion of the end times, all that kind of stuff. And it was... It was chaos. Like it was this weird bubble because I would go to normal life, school, the grocery store, everything was fine. But if you, the the way that that Bible bookstore looked, spe- specifically that particular shelf, looked exactly how all of our grocery stores look right now. <laughs> it was just stripped bare, and there was nothing there, and there was just like paper. It was just ravaged. And then on New Year's Day. We had a New Year's Day sale to kind of get rid of the old inventory. <laughs> there were just stacks of these books and everyone will walk past them. And I don't think that that's to say that we need to diminish, you know, what we're feeling in the moment and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think it is also important for us to hold intention, like how important the words we use in the midst of the crisis will lead to whatever is going to come later. Because if it all is hyperbole and big words, then all it's going to do in the other side is, I think, increase our division, increase our frustration with the systems that are happening. And I think that we're seeing that right now because the reality of the situation is this is super serious, but it's not a world ender, right? Like it's, it's, it's going to affect and dramatically, uh, you know, damage an important part of our society. And it's, it's, it's a big, big deal, but it's not, going to end the world. You know, it's, we're not going to see the the two prophets preaching in uh, Israel. You know, we're not going to see the rise of Nikolai and the antichrist, you know, that you know of Kurt Cameron's not getting a sequel. Like the, none of this stuff is going <laughs> to be the end, but it's okay for us to have moments to feel like it's, it's, it's an end right now, right here, right where we're at and, and, and sit in that. 
But then, then the responsibility comes is then where do we communicate that? How do we communicate that? And how do we offer, you know, there's that spectrum between hysteria and silence. And for those of us that are, that are responsible for someone in our life, you know, how do we find that balance in the way that we talk, in the way that we move when we're around people? Um, but what, what's interesting right now is we are really avoiding uh, the question or, or the, the dynamic of isolation as it relates to theological evolution and, and what that's done. And I, I don't, I think it's cause we're partially cause maybe we're not sure. And partially because we're still pretty wrapped up in, in everything that's going on and trying to sort through all of that and find meaning in it, which I think we all do. Even if we didn't grow up fundamentalist, people are trying to find, some sort of meaning in in the midst of crisis, and we've got a protracted crisis. It's not just a, a five minute incident that was devastating, and then you begin to deal with what's next. To be in the midst of something for so long, it's like you know the the anxiety around when is this going to end, and then when it sort of has a close date, then we can be, begin to move past it. But but the crisis is that we are connected. And, and I don't think we want to call that a crisis. I think that's actually like we're, um, we're realizing how connected we are. And that is why we all have to stay home. Because by traveling, our connection, our, our hyper social ability, which is what we are as humans, is actually right now causing the potential for harm for each other. And it's in the realization of how connected we are that we decide to stay home. So, like, that's not a crisis. This is, I mean, it's a crisis in terms of the ramifications and the effects of having to stay home. That may cause, of course, it's going to cause um, harm. But I think if we can remember that that it's the connection that's the crux of this, then perhaps when we finally do get to leave our homes again, that connection can actually facilitate a kind of healing, a kind of collaborative healing and helping one another on the other end of this that um, we've never seen before. Right. There is no like returning to normal. Like there is no like going back to normal after this. For as long as we are in the throes of this, like we create a new normal. And so I think that it, it would be foolish of us to think that uh, that we're just going to go back to normal after this or or what normal used to be, you know? I, I'm with you, Bonnie, that I think that out of this has the potential for us to, to see how connected we actually are to one another. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you. And maybe that's why it's difficult. Like I'm trying really hard to dig deep and associate the isolation that I experienced in my my spiritual or theological evolution with this kind of isolation. I, I'm having, you know, I'm having some uh, some difficulty connecting the two. And maybe that's why. Maybe because this is sort of helping us to realize how connected we are. Whereas that experience that I remember of isolation. As I was transitioning out of one community, uh, not knowing where I was going to end up in my own spiritual and theological evolution, it felt really different in some ways. Like it didn't feel like shared experience at all. 
it felt e- extremely lonely and um, any attempt to reach out so somebody else could potentially understand just felt almost impossible. Whereas it doesn't feel like that quite in the same way now. I wonder if that's because the connection we were given before was we were all individually tethered to the one idea of God, the one thing of God, and not tethered to one another. So anytime we felt that sense of isolation or anytime we felt that sense of loneliness, we were told, oh, you just need to concentrate on that one connection and thereby severing the connection that we had with with one another. That's exactly right, Jeff. And I mean, think about how incredibly like controlling that is. Right. That was my thought, Jeff, was uh, as I was listening to Bonnie th- uh, talking, I was thinking uh, my, exp- my experience was that uh, I, I always sort of felt alone because uh, I was only tethered to one thing. And that was what they were telling me to believe. Faith in the fundamentalist world is, is rooted in this idea that, that it's yours and yours alone, your personal relationship with Christ, your personal salvation, pull pull yourselves up by your own spiritual bootstraps, right? Um, That everything is is connected, and yet it is not. You are connected to the one big daddy, uh, whether that be your pastor or father God, barf, and, and but you're not necessarily connected to the people around you. And that's, and it's a mistake for us to think that we ever were. I think. I mean, that is the biggest grief that we hear in terms of the people who reach out to us. What they are brokenhearted about isn't that their theology changed, but that they lost this community. But the fact is, this community was was only rooted in this one thing. And so when you, when you lose that, um, it's not that you're losing these people. It's that you're walking away from your abuser. <laughs> like, and they're all still stuck in the abuse. Right, you're not losing that. You're being your eyes are being open to the fact where the real connection was the whole time, and That's that right. you were given a false connection. Yeah, even 100%. if it was just the connection of having to obey the dogma, and that's what everybody shared. I'd like to ask you, Bonnie, like taking it a step further. Well, I, I, just before you move on from that, I don't. Th- I'm not. I, I'm not moving on. I. No, I bet, but just from what you said, like, it's not that I don't, I I don't think that it was the, maybe this for me in evangelicalism, my connection wasn't the dogma. Like that, that's what we did, but my connection was still real with those people. It was still like deep friendships, like all the things that I would be doing now with people that I'm connected with. It was there. I think that what that does was that the, the, the false dogma tainted it and made it temporary. Yeah. Conditional. Right. Very conditional. I, in, in thinking about like my own spiritual journey, um, and through places of isolation and feeling disconnected from everyone, I'm wondering Bonnie in specific, but anyone can answer this. Do you feel like you've gotten to a place where you've gotten past that isolation and now you're entering a place of even more connection than you've experienced before in your specific spirituality? like with groups across boundaries and in different settings. Is that something you've experienced? Um, I think like my lenses have changed at looking at relationships and connection. And so in that way, uh, 
yeah, entering a completely new space uh, with people. But I still hold a lot of grief for the connections that I remember having in my past. And I think it's in in my former fundamentalist community because we were all centered around one ideology and it was like so clear and our existence together like mattered in a way that's different now. So I, but I think that's part of growing up, you know, it's like grieving childhood. Like there's a lot about being a kid that I, that I miss as an adult. I think grief as part of the, the journey is really important to acknowledge and to honor, uh, you know, as yeah, connections shift and change and our perception of connection shifts and change changes, um, as part of this evolutionary process, I think. I guess what I've experienced is this like reintegration of connection. I felt so isolated and disinvited and not welcome. And parts of me like rejected, had to go through the process of rejection and of isolation. And now for some reason, I'm, I feel like I'm entering this, maybe it's just a season or whatever, but when I see people who are still in the places that I come from or are, you know, I, I see them as individuals and I see like their journey and I still feel connected to them and I'm feeling it more and more regardless of where people are at. So I, I guess there's this like kind of blossoming understanding for me in my spirituality more alone, literally, because there's not a lot of people that we, we talked to, we talked about this on other episodes we recorded or uh, will be released, but having less conversation partners, but at the same time feeling more connected to all of humanity. So like there's this weird juxtaposition between the two. Yeah. And maybe that's a better way of saying it. Like I, I miss the, um, the conversational relationship. Yeah. When the conversations were so focused and now they're so wide open and there's beauty in that. Um, but there's also something about, you know, having such a focused conversation that tends to bring meaning and purpose to life. And births podcasts. <laughs> well, any, any final thoughts, Casey, you have anything to, to add as we kind of close out this. I feel comment. like I've talked so much this episode, maybe not, but I feel it's, like it's good for whatever the song. Says, I feel whatever, like I was the one who's doing whatever that. Bonnie says is right. So I'm going to offer my time to Bonnie because she is brilliant. <laughs> I will too, because I feel like I'm in an unhealthy place. I feel it, you know? Like, you know when we're all stressed out and anxious-ridden? I get way more, I don't even know, combative or something, or I push my way into spaces, and I feel like I've done a lot of that. So I'm going to follow Casey's lead and sign off to Bonnie. Whatever she says is what I say. All right, Bonnie, final words are yours. (laughs) (laughs) That's the consensus. I think there's value in being in the middle of something and talking about it while we're in the middle of it. Like we're not in reflection mode. We're in like we're living it right now. And perhaps, you know, six months down the road, we'll look back at this episode and say, wow, um, we see it differently six months down the road than we are than we do right now in this moment. But how cool that we get to, through the podcast, um, be able to speak to what we're feeling while we're feeling it. 
So I appreciate this conversation. All right. Well, um, let us know what you think. You can add your voice to this particular conversation and comment at the show notes at irencast.com slash 164. Uh, also in the show notes, you'll find links to all the stuff that we talk about and a complete list of ways to contact the show. That's irencast.com slash 164. Uh, and if you'd like to suggest possible future topics for the show, you can always email us at podcast at irencast.com. Or if you want to, Send us how you're doing right now. Let us know what things are, are giving you hope and joy or even frustration in your time of, of quarantine. You can email us text or you can just take a voice memo on your phone and send it into the show. Uh, we'd love to start incorporating new voices into everything that we're doing here. So that's uh, email us podcast at irenacast.com. Uh, on the other side of the music, we are going to be doing a brand new segment called Playlist. And I think we're going to center around the emotion of anger. Can't wait for that one. It should be good. So we are on the other side of the music and we are doing a new segment. I'm very excited for this segment. It's just simply called Playlist. And what we're going to do for this segment is each time we do it, in the future and now we're going to pick an emotion pick a state of mind a state of being and we're going to reflect that state of being through music and pick our three songs we'll mention our honorable mentions as well but three songs in which we all would listen to in that state of mind um so we could call it mixtape and go old school but you know i don't know how many people even know what a tape is i don't even i don't even know how many people listening remember that feeling of standing by the radio with your cassette player to wait for that song on the radio so you could press that record button and get it exactly right uh, <laughs> and then pushing in the tab so you could never record over it that's right that's right song. and then taping over it when you got tired of it taping right. over the tab exactly. so you could record over <laughs> boxes of old cassette tapes oh man all right those were the days actually they weren't that was horrible it's so much better now um <laughs> but uh so we're gonna pick our playlist so what we'll do is this isn't in any particular order but we're just gonna each of us share one and we'll do three rounds and then at the end if any of us have any honorable mentions we will do those as well and we'll try as best as we can in the show notes all the songs will definitely be listed and i'll link the youtube video and then we'll i'm, I'm working on our spotify account so if I'm able to do that before this episode gets out. Then check the show notes as well. If you're on Spotify, we'll make a playlist on our uh, podcast thing, and you can listen to it straight from there. And if there are any other ways that we can put this kind of stuff out there, uh, let us know. Yeah, so let's let's start. Casey, I want to start with you because yours are the one that I'm most curious about. Uh, so, Casey, what is what is your first entry into the frust? Oh, did I say the emotion? The emotion that we're going with is anger, frustration. Uh, so, what is what is your first? Uh, first one on the list. I don't want no scrubs by TLC. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Do you have any any story connected to that song? Like, is there? Do you when you hear that song? Do you have a moment? Is there a scrub out there? That you think <laughs> there are so many. There are so many. Yeah. No, but I just uh, I feel like uh, I love that song. Um, because yeah, for for all those reasons, you know. I don't want no scrubs. <laughs> All right. So. I like it. I like it. Bonnie, how about you? Um, the first one I'm going to tell you about is Gloria by Patti Smith. Patti Smith is like, um, she's so badass. I love her so much. And I just found out that she was raised a Jehovah's Witness and had like a strong Bible education. So maybe that's why I 
identify with her so much. But yeah, the first line of that she's um, song poem is um, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Nice. And I remember just screaming that, and as I was transitioning out of my former theology. That's how you kick off a playlist right there. <laughs> Can we just point out that Bonnie said, the one I will tell you about is <laughs> this one. <laughs> you snuck that in there. Well, yeah. yeah she's, she's, you got two more, right? <laughs> she's like, the ones I'll tell you about. You know, She's got some in there that she's not willing to share, but that's okay. Very nice. I like it. Look up Patty Smith and listen to punk rock music. You'll feel so much better. Rajiv, how about you? All right. Uh, my third pick here is Rage Against the Machine, No Surprise, Maggie's Farm. Love that one. Really good song. Just crank it up and don't want to work for. Yeah, it's good. Very nice. Alan? Um, this song actually used to be, I think, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this used to be the ringtone you had on your phone for me when, like, years ago. Uh, BYOB, System of a Down. That's still the ringtone uh, that Is I have for you on my phone. Right, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Like, I, you told me it was the ringtone back in, like, I don't even know, 2009 or something? something we can prove it. You want to call me right now, I'll turn the, the thing on. and, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to prove it. <laughs> Although that's copyrighted material, so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's the the line BYOB is bring your own bombs, I believe, right? Yes. Yep. That's what it is in my head. And uh, there's a line that says, "Why do they always send the poor?" And he's like screaming it, strumming the guitar, and I just feel it. It's good. All system of a down, really, and rage against the machine, man, so good. Yeah, system of the down is yeah. They show up on my playlist all the time. Killing in the name of is my system. The one that I just, I just love that line. Uh, F you, I won't do what you tell me. And I could repeat that forever and ever. But it's the more obvious. I'm not a deep track person. I'm not as sophisticated as, as Rajiv over here. It's, so <laughs> killing in the name of is rage against the machine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's your third pick? No, I'm sorry. Oh, my, and I didn't do a third pick. I have no particular order. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Systems at the order. top. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is no particular order. So. So, System of the Down for Alan, and then my third one is a recent one to my angry playlist. Is I've always, I've always lamented the fact that there's not enough good lament songs, especially when it comes to like theology and God, and people are afraid to do this. And I think I suggested this recently to Alan on his uh, recent Facebook suggestion to get stuff, but it's a song by a rapper named Dax called "Dear God," and really good. Uh, it's just a good like, uh, you know. It, there's a lot you could read into it, but I, I just think that there's not enough songs that approach just anger towards God in a way that maintains some sort of, um, you know, is a psalm that maintains that semblance of of you can be angry and still be in relationship, uh, not to use <laughs> relationship with God. That's, that's so weird to say, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, and I just like it. I just think it just it just you know directs frustrations from reality to it. And I, I, I really, I really enjoy it. So that's dear God by, by Dax. It's, it's a good one. All right, Casey, we're back around to you. It is lose yourself by Eminem. Ooh, very nice. That's, that's not Mom's spaghetti. That's a different one. That is Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> no, that's, that's Mom's that spaghetti. Is the same one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
That's that's angry. Yeah, it's yeah, good. I, it's, it's I love that very, song. That's right. So for me, like um, when I feel my mo when I get angry is to shut down, and I feel like that song invites me to step up, right? To like step into oh, gotcha into the moment and not be afraid, and so that's puts you in that mindset of having to punch dance in the woods, right? That's right. I'm ready to go, honey. Let's fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Um, mine is um Inside Out by Eve Six. <laughs> Beautiful Oblivion. What did you say? Everyone's cracking up. Beautiful Oblivion. By Eve Six? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Inside Out. And I sing it to God sometimes. I love it. That's a good one. All right, Rajiv, back over to you. One of my all time favorites, number two on the top three countdown. Uh, Soundgarden drawing flies. And if you need good, if you need to be in touch with good adolescent anger lyrics, nobody's better than Soundgarden. Here, here, here are the opening lines. Sitting here like uninvited company, wallowing in my own obscenities. I share a cigarette with negativity, sitting here like wet ashes with X's in my eyes and drawing flies. And it's a great guitar riff, too. Oh, my God. I can't wait to get off this so I can listen to it again. Does Soundgarden not have a good guitar riff? I mean, it's, yes. it's Soundgarden. It's They're amazing. great. Well, and one of the greatest voices ever. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. Did you ever hear Chris Cornell's uh, cover of Billie Jean? No. Oh, find it. I will I will look it up. Check it out. Oh, man. It's so good. We should do a covers playlist the next time we do this, and that'll be... Mm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Alan, your next entry into the Irena Angry list. No, that's not good. <laughs> I like it. Um, I So this is this is just like a guilty pleasure, I guess. Uh, if you need like a, a light and repetitive song for your anger, Modest Mouse, Dukes Up. Come on and get your Dukes Up now is like repeated multiple times. And it's got this cool little like light... Sometimes my anger feels that way. It needs to be a little more productive. <laughs> I can see that. Alan, I love that you are just a consistent person. <laughs> Modest mouse. Nice. <laughs> so great. Um, my next entry, I'm going with not I'm going with the same artist as Casey on this one. It's an Eminem song and it's called The Way I Am. And uh I love that song. It's I, obviously I've never been famous or a rapper, so I don't understand what it's like to be famous and people pushing on you, but I certainly understand the frustration when people push your boundaries. And I feel like that's the feeling I get when I listen to the song is just, just lashing out. And, um, I felt this deep when I was at the end of my deconstruction as a youth pastor in evangelical church and feeling like no one knows who I really am here and just have all these assumptions about who I am. And, uh, so this is my, this is my angry song. It's always at the top of the list sometimes. Yeah, that's a good one. My uh, my final song is um, Not Ready to Make Nice by Dixie Chicks. Uh, forgive sounds good. Forget I'm not sure I could. They said time heals everything, but I'm still waiting. I love that song. Yeah. It's a great song. I like it. Bonnie? Oh, um, anything early Alanis Morissette, but especially ironic. I love that song. That's so Don't good. Don't you think? Don't you think? <laughs> it figures. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the line. There you go. <laughs> it figures. That that jagged little pill album is yeah, it's so it's so good. good. I, I revisited it shortly after I left my last my 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 church that I was a youth pastor at when I was still in v- evangelicalism. And there's some some of the deeper tracks in there that I was like, "What? How did I? How have I listened to this album so many times and missed like?" The lyrics is the one where she was, she was, uh, why can't I remember the title, but where she's talking about her upbringing in Catholic school and how the mm-hmm. double standard of her brothers and her, oh, so good. Yes. So, so good. So good. That's a great choice. I love it. All right. Uh, Rajiv. Okay. Um, this was like really hard to narrow all of this down. Um, yeah, so when I've, we were planning for this. Rajiv was like, Anchor, anchor playlist. I have like three of those. <laughs> three playlists, <laughs> not three songs. Right. Yeah. Um, so mine actually would qualify as, as, as a, a cover track as well. Uh, my top song is Rage Against the Machine. No surprise. They're, they're two of my top three. Their cover of Bruce Springsteen's The Ghost of Tom Joad, which is such, oh yes. my God, because it's anger about, certain situations but it's also a blaring call to action which is like you know wherever you see a cop beating a guy whenever a hungry newborn baby cries where there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air look for me mom i'll be there i mean it's like and that's so good so good so you don't just get to wallow when you're angry you get you get to go do something about it i have a lot of respect for two rage against the machine songs Rajiv. And if you're not following Rajiv on Twitter, he's Raj against the machine. <laughs> you should go do that. When you when you said cover, Rajiv, I thought you were going with How Could I Kill a Man, the Cypress Hill cover. Oh, well, that, you know, come on. I, I, pretty much anything Rage does is great. But yeah, How Could I Just Kill a Man is good, too. But that just leaves you with the anger. True. You know? But and you're trying to justify your Some anger. songs need to leave you in the anger to to move you to the next track to kind of lift you out of the anger. There's got to be an arc to your playlist. Otherwise, yes, yes. you are not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, are you building our playlist then? Because I have some high high expectations, though. Oh, I'm, I'm crafting this bitch to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Alan, you're up. Uh, why... My last entry is a secret, so I can't share it. <laughs> then none of your songs make the track. Casey, secret. don't shake your head. <laughs> no, I, I, I think we should just take Alan at his word and move on. <laughs> yeah. No. Because they're things I wouldn't want people to go listen to. You know what I mean? They're not wholesome. Then pick something else. This is a podcast. We're putting stuff out there for the world. We're sharing we're we're building connection, and you've just severed that. Connection. Did, did, did you, being, you just? You are being over the top right now. It's not you wholesome. Being, not in a good too place. much. You are being too much. Uh, just when, say it, Alan. When I okay, this you. If you're listening to this, don't go listen to these godforsaken songs. But I used to listen to some incredible stuff when I was in high school, and it stuck with me. So when I'm in the gym. And I have to lift something very heavy. I'll listen to things like Down With The Sickness. Uh, <laughs> Is and, that your or pick? Like, Let The Bodies Hit The Floor. Something like that. And it's intense. That's 
So you got to pick one. What's going to make the cut for the playlist that we put together? Well, I, I would say Down With The Sickness, but it's an inappropriate song. So let, let the bodies hit the floor is slightly more appropriate. So I'll go with that one. Well, let's put it in the context. It, has anyone ever seen the YouTube video with bodies hit the floor where it's just a bunch of a montage of Benny Hinn clips where every time the, it goes, yeah. let the bodies hit the floor, <laughs> he like that. puts yeah. his hand out and people are slain in the yes. spirit. I will put that in the link of the show notes because it is one of the best videos ever. It is so, so great. Yeah, that, and that song is so, it's so great for getting angry. Uh, it's awesome. Okay, so let the bodies hit the floor by, what is that? It's not disturbed. It's a uh, drowning pool. Drowning pool. That's right. Yeah, uh, down with the sickness is disturbed. That's right. That's right. Um. All right. Uh, Mine is kind of one of those songs that's like the, when there's still like a, a an angry residue, but there's some reflection happening in your brain. There's this band called Hailstorm, one of the best female rock singers right now in the game. And it's called Here's to Us. And it's just this reflection of like, here's where we're at. This is what we've gone through. We've gone through some crap. We've gone through some good times. It's really difficult. And for anyone who wants to judge our history, F them. Here's to us. And it's a it's a wonderful it, – it balances – Angry residue and celebration all in the same moment. And I think that that is just a, a beautiful, wonderful thing. And her voice is, is, is beautiful and, and gruff at the same time. It's, it's a great song. It's a, it's a good one. All right. That's our, that's our playlist. So we'll try to put this on there. Any honorable mentions? Anyone? I mean, Rajiv, you have a list, I'm sure, but any other ones that you want to share just to get out there? The list is just so long. I mean, another. I mean, War Pigs is another great one. By you know, Black Sabbath is the best, but there's some great covers too. Dear Mr. President by Pink, I really love. Pink especially, is wonderful, especially for these days. Yeah. What's the other song she does? It was the more popular one, the one where she wants to get in a fight. That's on my list too, of my honorable mentions. Um, what is that song? It's after she broke up with her husband. Yeah, it's so upbeat though. It is. It's great. It's so sometimes catchy. Anger's fun. Let anger but be fun. It's, sometimes it's anger. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to fight I'm Pink. Add some Dixie Chicks to my playlist. That's my plan. Oh, After they're so Casey, good. Uh, submitted yeah. that. I'm gonna add it to my my lifting mix. Any other honorable? I had Pork and Beans by uh, Weezer. You ever listen to that one? Yes, it's a, a good one. Um, uh, can I? Can I? In terms of music, can I just give a shout out? Of course. So, we can do whatever the hell so we want, Casey. One of my one of my musicians at church is a trans guy who grew up in church. Um, and in fact, his first album was a worship album. And then when he transitioned, obviously all that changed for him. And he called me this week and said that he wants to uh, take songs like Switchfoot and other, other music that isn't directly, it's not worship music, right? It's like, it's sort of beats around the bush and you can interpret it however you want to. He's going to make, uh, he's going to do covers of some of those songs. Um, and he wants to talk about, you know, like um, he's calling it something like transformational, uh, you know, like um, how this trans guy is reclaiming some of that and the importance of like being able to integrate yourself. Um, so just something to offer. I'm really proud of our music and proud of my musicians. So. So you have a, Look up Case and Maples. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. We'll put that in the show notes. Get a link to, to his stuff. That sounds great. I'm always down for a, a good cover. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Uh, he's come a long way and uh, just is doing great work in the community. 
So very nice. All right. Well, on that, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you enjoy Renacast and you'd like to join the work that we're doing, please consider donating to our PayPal link at irenacast.com slash PayPal. Uh, we're always committed to keeping the show for free for listeners, but there are costs involved and any financial support helps. That's irenacast.com slash PayPal. And for those of you that don't know, Irenacast is also a nonprofit organization, so your donations are tax deductible, which apparently have extra time to file this year. Um, so for any information, I don't know what I'm doing today. For any information on ways to partner with the show, please go to irenacast.com slash support. And there you'll find all the different ways, including our merch and everything like that. You can also support the show just by simply making sure you're subscribed, making sure you get the great, the, you'll hear a lot of people that say, if you leave a review and a rating that that helps people find them in, in Apple podcasts or whatever, that's actually a lie. That's a bold face lie. Uh, subscriptions help. So subscribe. Hit that little button. Make sure that you, I don't know, just whatever. Just tell us that you love us, please. We're sad. <laughs> I'm going to cut all that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, you can cut out anything you want from what I said in the whole episode. <laughs> this is great. This is where we are. So for this week, <laughs> I'm Jeff. It's your boy, Alan. I'm Bonnie. This is Casey. And this is Rajiv. Thanks for joining the conversation. Wash your hands. <laughs>